The Sunday Grill with Crane and Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie. I have a festival to tell you about and it's not on Zoom. Hallelujah. Now it's in September, but stick it in your diary. The Vitamin C Festival from September 18th to the 20th uh, Taste Tremors Food Festival. It's going to be run by local food and drinks businesses. And one of the coordinators is Emma Martin and she's here to tell us more. Hi, Emma. Hi, Orla. Festival coordinator, yes? Yes. That's right. <laughs> and last time, of course, we spoke to you, it was about your blog, Emma's Cottage Kitchen. That's right. And your phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal buttermilk chicken. I'm still <laughs> dreaming. I think it must be about six weeks since I made that and I'm still dreaming about them. Yeah. Do you know what? It's been a while since I made it too. I need to make another batch now. You've just reminded me. <laughs> well, I have to say, Emma, every time I look at something that you're making on your blog, I think I'm going to make that. I'm going to make that. And I never do. So I think I just need to come to your house and yes. have you make an array of food for me. Yeah, come on out. <laughs> Great. Delighted. Uh, listen, food and virtual events, they don't really go hand in hand. Not really, but I think we're adapting to it and... um. Yeah, we're encouraging it. Okay. The Vitamin C Festival, though, is a physical festival. It is. Where you're making use of staycationing and tremor. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I think tremor has become, it always kind of was a bit of a foodie hotspot, but in the last year or so, it's flourished as one. So, um, yeah, we just want to highlight that and make the most of it for everyone. Let's talk about the sort of stuff that's in Tremor. So there's, of course, uh, bread when it comes to seagull. Yeah. There's an array of coffee shops. Um, there's meze. Yeah. Um, lots of pizza places yeah. as well. And lots of little artisan producers around that area too that don't necessarily have a premises but are um, stocking food into the various places in Tremor. What do you think has happened? How has this all happened, do you think, for Tremor? Um, I think people have been just drawn to the seaside location of it I think um, it just it just seems to work whatever has gone into Tremor in the last year or so has just really really worked and it's great to see um, and I think when a business sees one business working then it's great it, there's room for so many and then this then we have Taste Tremor which um, is on Instagram and other social media platforms which yeah. really promotes all those different businesses. Yeah. And is that where the Vitamin C Festival has come from? It is, yeah. So Taste Tremor is a committee of like-minded food business uh, food and drink business owners mm-hmm. um, who've come together just to highlight how great of a foodie hub Tremor is. Um, and yeah, just through... Getting established with that last year, mm-hmm. I was delighted to come on board on that as well through both the blog and the Copper Coast Market. Yeah, which you run. Um, yep, yeah, and it's it's just incredible. Like the the idea for the festival then was sparked from that, and um, because why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I suppose with the whole COVID crisis, things were put on the back burner for a mm-hmm. while. So this has been in production for the best part of a year, okay. nearly. Um. And yeah, with the crisis, I think people are just hungry, excuse the pun, (laughs) to get out and to experience food and to experience a nice atmosphere and yeah, nice festival, Mm. nice festival. And obviously we're moving towards restrictions being lifted um, again on August 10th. So how will this work restrictions wise with a festival in September? So a lot of it we will have to play by ear. Okay. But we're operating that it will go full steam ahead at the moment, but with some restrictions. So ticketed events in establishments will have to be very carefully coordinated and restricted um, with limited numbers. Um, But if there is a demand, we can absolutely 
look at accommodating that demand with multiple events. As we said, it is on from the 18th to 20th of September. Say if someone comes, is, is doing the whole staycation or decides to travel to Tremor for the day, what could they do on the day, on that weekend for the Vitamin C Festival? What could they so be doing we on an average have, day? We have loads planned. We have um, so sea sport events close to the shoreline, so kayaking, uh, foraging tours, nature walks, uh, beach yoga, um, we have taste trails, we'll have seafood trails. Um, some of the establishments will have special guest chefs, we'll have demos, um, we'll have particular themed nights all around the sea. <laughs> um, but there's something for everyone. We're going to have the market on Sunday um, that'll be one of our bigger events on the Sunday. Um, but we're hoping to get all the food businesses involved and, you know, extend the season a bit because I think it's really needed because we miss so much of the season. Mm. Everyone did, not True. just businesses, but the public did. Yeah, definitely. And um, it is the Vitamin C Festival, the 18th to the 20th of September. The best place to probably go is Taste Tremor's social media. Absolutely. Is it? Yeah, okay. Taste Tremor social media. So it's at Taste Tremor on Instagram and Facebook. Okay, great. Um, the Copper Coast Market, which you run, as we said, is that up and running again now? It will be. We okay. have we're are, we're going to be the main festival market at uh, Vitamin C Festival. Brilliant. So um, we have that to look forward to, and you never know where we might pop up in the meantime. Okay, good <laughs> stuff. And I'm going to ask you a question now, which is like asking you what your favorite child is. But say you're not from Waterford. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry now. Say you're not from Waterford. What are some of your favorite places in Tremor to go and eat? And I won't ask you to pick one because. Okay. You'll get yourself into trouble. Oh my God, they are there are so many. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so many. Um, Meze, definitely yeah. gorgeous Middle Eastern food. Yum, their deli, a little bit of lunch there. Oh, absolutely, Yum. it's fab. Um, where else you have Moe's, Molly's. Um, nice coffee there. Definitely, yeah. yeah nice sweet treats and breakfast. Yeah. And say if you're going out for an evening meal, where would you head to? Oh, an evening meal. Where would I go? Okay, so I'd say. The ranch is fab mm-hmm. down by the prom. That is absolutely gorgeous. Um, and then the Ritz um, up at the Cove Road. That's fab. So is the pier. Um, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I just, just just leave me off on a tour around okay. Seagull and as well. <laughs> the be- Of course. And the best place to see all these places is Taste Tremor if you want to check out the social media there and also uh, more details on the festival. Uh, as we said, so many people staycationing so hopefully lots will come here to the southeast. Emma, thank you so yeah. much for talking to me this Thanks morning. Thanks so much, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. My next guest this morning has been nominated in the actor in a lead role category for this year's IFTAS while three of the films he played a part in are up for best film. He's a West Washford man a fan of the flowery blah Mo Dumford is on the phone this morning. Hi, Mo. Hey, Orla. How are you? How are you? Not too bad. Good stuff. When did you get the news of these nominations? Uh, yesterday morning I think or the day before yesterday. And I, I, like I was watching the trailer for Dig there a few hours ago, and it, it's a good two years since the trailer came out. So, uh, how does it feel to get a nomination for something that I suppose came? Did it come out two years ago? Yeah, well, when you interviewed me two years ago over Blas and Rizzoli's, <laughs> Rizzoli's, um, Rizzoli's, it was out then, <laughs> and now all of a sudden you're watching the trailer again because it's up for a few awards, but. Uh, we actually made it three three years ago in a bog in, in Antrim and in the freezing cold rain there for three weeks. So look, any good news or good energy in this time is welcome and um, 
it's great that it was recognised. You know, it's up for best film, and uh, yeah, we're we're all delighted. We're great. delighted. Yeah. That's great to hear. And I've heard it actually described as a film that made a great achievement with just four actors and a bog. Tell us a little bit more about Dick. Uh, it was pretty cold. <laughs> it looks pretty cold in that trailer. But you know, it's it's the kind of go-to complaint, really, is it, about with us Irish? Well, what if it's cold or if it's warm? But the reality was like, um, it was a great script, and we didn't we didn't want to complain because you look back at times like this, and you go, nothing to complain about. We were allowed to be out in the open, out to work, working a great story. Whereas these days. There's so much uh, uncertainty about whether work resumes or not with stuff. So we, I, I was just delighted. Everybody dived in, you know, with hair and makeup. And the, the directors were first-time directors for feature feature filmmakers. And just um, everybody dived in. And the two directors now are out in uh, Bulgaria shooting the next Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Wow. And Brian, Brian, the producer, has just worked with... One of my heroes, Liam Neeson, and me. Uh, I'm just, I'm just chuffed to be in the list, in the category with those actors. You know, it's, it's, it's not about winning, Orla. It's not about this whole competitive thing because you can't mm. with acting. It's just I am chuffed to that it's recognised and the, the the cast are recognised. I really am. Great, that is brilliant. And as you said, Liam Neeson is up for that nomination as well with Ordinary Love. You alluded yeah. there back to obviously uh, March what twelfth or thirteenth when we got the call that we were going into lockdown. And um, I think slowly but surely we saw the effect that it was going to have on the arts. And um, I saw it definitely in television. Suddenly shows were being cut left, right, and centre, and um, shortened things like that. What has it meant for you as an actor? Well, it might be hard for people to sort of comprehend this, but I, it, was, it wasn't a bother on me because I was an out-of-work actor when all of this okay. stuff was planned, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, know, I know it sounds funny, but that's the reality, and my life over the past 10 years has been in and out of work. So look, I, I'm, not, I, uh, I'm not saying I welcomed it, but I just took the, ch- took the opportunity to kind of just wind down, you know, because mm. um, um, I've come back home, um, I've been with family, um, I thought that life was sort of very fast-paced mm-hmm. before all of this happened. Um, but I can, you know, I can. I'm, I'm due to go over to uh, to start a job in the next few weeks. Okay. Uh, I just, <laughs> I, you know, there's just uncertainty out there, right? You, you just have to accept what is, you know, and and know our, know the limitations, you know. Mm. And I suppose the biggest uncertainty is in the part of the states where most movies are made and that is in LA which has gone into lockdown again yeah well uh, there's no harm really is it I mean it's acting and movies they're not they're not that important that's the time mm. that I realised during this what I do it's not important mm. and uh, <laughs> you know um, checking in on one another is important people's mental health during this time when they're feeling isolated that's the important thing uh-huh. because what I found in this it's not about jobs it's not about movies it's about there's young people out there who are on the cusp of their career or in the middle of like their the first year of, of college and now because this whole thing is happening their whole lives have stopped mm-hmm. and um, I think it's important when I'm looking around and just feeling what's going on even though this is happening in the world it's it's not a good enough reason to 
to to stop people living their lives and engaging and interacting with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to continue to do that. Life will life will start up again, but we have to be right mentally. You know what I mean? True. And tell me, I'm trying to think of the things that I did in the two-kilometre lockdown. I think it was mostly Zoom table quizzes and a bit of baking. Were you the same? What do you remember you did mostly? Uh, what did I do? What did I do? Yeah, I watched, uh, watched a few films and I... I went. I live on this hill there in, in Dungarvan, so I, was, I walked a lot with my father, Brilliant. with the dog. Had a few of those zooms, you know, those weekly zooms where yeah. you do one, and then then the next week you do and go. I don't want to do one of them again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> and they all seem to have died a death now. All of those. The zooms have died, haven't yeah, they? Definitely, yeah, the definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy about that as well. Me too, me too, because it gives a sense that you, you can get out and see see your friends normally, you know. So you spent your, what, four months or so at home in Dungarvan, and that has been enjoyable for you, I'd say. Yeah, I've loved it. I love seeing how adaptable people are, you know, and the, the business started open and um, being adaptable, but being having to be smart about it, just with just with kids not taking the make, like, and it's wearing the masks out of respect for other people who might be feeling a bit nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it's all about. Just, I think this whole mask wearing thing and gathering in crowds and now pubs not being allowed to open out till a later date, it's just, I think it's just being, being wary of other people who mm. might be feeling nervous, you know. Even if you're not scared of this virus, if you're a young person, wear the mask and don't, 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 don't like, don't go to big, big mad parties just, just out of respect for other people, yeah. you know, because, yeah. Regardless of the unknown fear of virus, it's it's just it's just respect for other people's mental health, you know. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. all. And I do think yeah, these last yeah. four months have been a learning curve for people about respect and thinking of other people. I I hope so. I th- I, th- I think so. Um, our kids have been re- remarkable how how adaptive they've been. I mean, I spent a lot of time with my boy and um, down here in Waterford. We're close to the coast, and a lot of people are. Feeling that 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 kind of uh, connection with the water and the seas and wanting to be near the coast. There's something. So we're lucky in that regard, you know. Yeah, um, we really are. I really, think my two K yeah. was nowhere near water, and I'm from the coast in Wexford, and I really felt that I wasn't near the sea over the yeah. the two K lockdown. So you were lucky. Uh, listen, a virtual another night on Zoom in September for the IFTAS. Are you going to dress up? Or are you just going to watch it in your PJs? Um, I I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I, I I'm hoping to be working with the two Tohill brothers and Angus, the cinematographer, again. So I hope we'll all be there together. Okay, brilliant. Um, on their next movie. So, okay. Um, yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely, uh, watch. I'll definitely support uh, the other actors. Um, I mean, I've I've won, I've I've won twice before. There's there's an actor there who's. Don Lohiri did this movie, A Rock. Oh, yes. An amazing film. This is the famine um, movie, is it? The fo- this movie. is the famine mm. movie. Yeah. And, like, he, he delivers, like, an incredible performance. And there's, like, my my hero, Liam, is there. I know I know Barry Ward, who's a wonderful actor. I, Tom Von Lawler, I worked in Dublin Murders. I mean, I, I don't, I'm just, I'm just, I'm really just happy to be in that group. <laughs> yeah, you okay. know? Good to hear. That's the way I, I hope Sarah wins for Rosie, though. I really do. Sarah Green, I hope she wins.
Silence for Rosie. And of course she was um, in Dublin Murders as well. So they are the yeah. three films that you were in that are up for best film. It's The Dig, Rosie and Black 47 as well. And then Dublin Murders gets a number of nods too. Uh, as we said, a virtual night held in September. All fingers crossed yeah. for you. But as you said, you'd be happy um, even to get the nomination. Thank you so much for talking to us this morning. I'll let you get Thank back. Thank you. To Dungarvan, thanks a million and best of luck with everything. Thanks, Orla. Cheers. Thanks so much. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. July is the month that we call Plastic Free July, July. And last year, over 250 million people got involved in the initiative worldwide. According to stats generated in 2018, every Irish person uses 61 kilograms of plastic waste each year. Elaine Nevin is the Managing Director of Eco UNESCO. It's the Environmental Education and Youth Organisation. And she's been working to empower and educate young people on the environment for over two decades. And she joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning. Hi, Elaine. Hi, Orla. How are you? Now, it's, it's, I'm very well, thank you. It's fairly obvious, I suppose, if we cut how much single-use plastic we use, we can then cut the waste going into oceans, onto our streets and landfills. But... Speaking for myself, even, it's hard to fathom how, you know, if you go into a shop and you happen to buy something that's wrapped in plastic and you think, oh, I need this, so I'll buy this one time only. It's, it's kind of hard to fathom what effect that will have on the environment, isn't it? Yeah, I think very much so. I mean, it's, it, I think it's always maybe the thing with any sort of packaging, you know what I mean? You're, you, I suppose we're so used to kind of I suppose, picking materials up, not thinking maybe of the the whole kind of maybe that circular piece, you know, where did where did this come from, mm. I think? And then where where will it end up going to? You know, and I think that's you know, so so yes, absolutely with plastic. I mean I think it's 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 difficult, you know, because when you go into your supermarkets and you pick up your vegetables or whatever and they're they're wrapped in plastic, um, you know, I suppose you have to really make that conscious choice to say, Well look, you know, I'm not going to buy this. Because it's wrapped in plastic. Why you know, are they wrapped in plastic? What's the argument for them being wrapped in plastic? Well, I think they're wrapped in plastic is really to protect them. I think that's okay. that's one of the biggest things. You know, is to protect the the, the vegetables um, and protect them from bruising easier, and stuff like that. Protect you mean? them from bruising, okay. and I think then protect them from um, probably from people hand, handling them as well. And then I think it's also to do with um, it's you know it's to do with them being packaged in a certain quantity. You know, so you pack them in a certain quantity, and then they're. And, and I think the other thing with with this is that plastic, you know, has been very cheap to produce. Mm. So this is the, the, one of the issues with it is that it has been a you know very kind of um, was economical and cheap to produce, and that's why then it's been used in so many different things. Um, instead of you may, maybe you know we don't need it wrapped in plastic, we could have it maybe wrapped in paper, and maybe not, and or just maybe not have them wrapped at all, and mm. just go back to how we used to pick up vegetables in our past, which was or in our past, and I mean in our present as mm. well. But you know where you you just go in and you you you, you pick them up and you just buy buy your buy them loose. But it is a you know, and, and of course vegetables are just one part. You have single-use plastics being used in lots of different so your cereal packets, for example. Okay, you've cardboard on the outside, but inside you you know it's covered in plastic. Mm. Or, um, so it's just it's just I think it, we've become so used to I think society as was in a way, and the producers in a way have become so used to using this material, um, and it's how you kind of re how you change um, that mindset. Um, you know, and start using something different, and start using something else. Do you think there is that? You know, we we often don't. We often, you know, we often don't think about where um, our waste 
is going. You know, we um, and, and this is, you know, people put things into the rubbish bin and they just think that it's gone, you know, and, and that's not actually the case. So we need to kind of, it's, it's, it's a re, it's really a rethinking really and, and it's, um, and, and, and an understanding about, um, you know, maybe it's like the life cycle of your product. And are you good with plastic being recycled? Are we, like if you buy something with plastic that can be recyclable, is that probably best practice or to try and buy things that aren't, haven't got a lot of plastic in, with them in general? Well, we would always say probably just try to, you know, it's to reduce really your usage of plastic, first of all. Mm. You know, try not to buy, try not to buy stuff with plastic, um, with the single use plastic. Okay. Um, and, you know, then to, I suppose, you know, then you go to your next step. You kind of, yeah. the first step is really to reduce, you know, um, and, and so to kind of look and see what you need. Um, do you really need it? Does it need to be covered in plastic? So, so really, at that stage, reduce it. And then the second step would be to, um, re, you know, recycle it then. So get the recycled, you know, recyclable plastics mm-hmm. um, and so that you're able to do that. Yes. I suppose you're having a very different Elaine plastic-free July this year because um, COVID-19 has affected many things. And I really am seeing my use of um, things that aren't recyclable have really gone up. I am someone who, you know, I have my own bottle for water. I'm still using that. But a lot of coffee shops, most coffee shops, in fact, won't take my keep cup at the moment because of the pandemic. So I really am seeing a rise in the amount of coffee cups. Now, a lot of them are compostable, so I'm happy to see that. But they're in my car. But the really thing I'm seeing a lot of, and I've seen a terrible photo of them ending up in the ocean, are those disposable gloves that we have to use. You know, we've been told to use them for safety. But I do have about 20 used disposable gloves in my car. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, you know, I suppose who could have uh, predicted, you know, this is the thing with Mm. something like COVID and something like a pandemic um, and a health pandemic, you know, happening and... Um, so none of us kind of, uh, I suppose, have, have predicted any of this. And Elaine, you know, do you um, think that a pandemic then trumps environmental action in a way? Do we have to take a step back from our thoughts about recycling and using a keep cup? Um, well, I'm not. A, first of all, I suppose I'm not a health expert. No, you know, no. so I wouldn't. I, I, but from an, I suppose, from an environmental perspective, um, you'd, uh, I suppose, you know, I, I'm not sure with with keep cups, and I'm not sure what the I'm not sure what the rationale is behind not using them, mm. you know, in a way or not. Maybe maybe it is that people don't want to be touching the mm. keep cups with somebody else. Possibly, possibly that's it. Um, and, I mean, I suppose with the, you know, I, I know with the plastic gloves, for example, I have seen, you know, the ones that are basically compa- compostable. Right. You know, so you that's can actually get, yeah, you can actually get ones that are that are compostable. So it is a, it's, a, it's a very difficult one because um, you're, you're, you know, you're dealing with a, a global pandemic mm. and I suppose because plastic is there, has been there and it is, it is used. But what we'd be saying is that use your compostable or use, you know, um, and, and, and as much as possible, try to use those, you know, with your masks, for example, to make make your own cotton masks, yeah. you know, because even the, even the ones that... Um, the disposable ones that are purchased, you know, you're better really to have one that you can you can wash and that you can you can use. And and I mean, the health experts are saying that that's fine to do that. Okay. You know, to actually use your use um, the cotton. Um, now, as long as I think they're they're saying that there's, I mean, there's certain ways of making them with with certain numbers of layers of cotton, etc. You know what I mean? But mm. um, that that would be that would be fine and acceptable. So it's just really again, it's to it's to, it's to think about, um, you know, what's 
I suppose, uh, what what is plastic and is and is there an alternative? Because often there is an alternative, yeah, you know, course. and we just need to kind of think a little bit more. But again, it go, kind of goes back a little bit, and particularly when you're looking at PPE, personal protective equipment, etc., it is cheaper to produce as well. This is the thing that's yes, happening with plastic, course, you know. Of course. Um, yeah, well, hopefully that is some food for thought for people mm. in this plastic-free July. I'm definitely going to go look for those compostable plastic gloves because they're the one thing that I had such guilt over because you use them quite regularly as well. So it's great to yeah. hear there are compostable ones available. Yeah, no, I think there are more efforts out there like to try to find compostable solutions, mm. you know, mm. to plastic and uh, try to kind of see if there is something that we can, uh, you totally. know, more kind of ideas like biomaterials. And you I'm know, a little that, bit um, addicted to composting, not in the gardener sense, just putting stuff into the brown bin. But I was really shocked to hear that tea bags aren't compostable, for example. That's right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, tea bags actually um, have some, you know, they, they, I suppose they basically have some plastic, mm. you know, in them. Um, so I'm going to buy the loose tea micro- from now on, Elaine. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. They can lead to microplastics. So these are all, you know, it's all of those things. And it is, quite, it is um, you know, the challenges sometimes are, I mean, it is interesting when you, if you try to do the challenge of even go plastic free yeah. for a day, mm-hmm. go plastic, try to go plastic free for a day. And, or what we often say, go on a plastic diet, you know, mm. see, if you, see if you can cut down on plastic or even plastic free for a week. Um, and, and I think that that is that can be challenging. You know, I might just um, accept that challenge, Elaine, just to get, as you said, just to get myself thinking, seeing how much plastic I buy in a week and how I can stop myself doing that. But first stop are those compostable disposable gloves and some tea leaves instead of tea bags. If you want to get some more details on Plastic Free July and Eco UNESCO, you can visit their website. It's ecounesco.ie. You have that challenge that we're talking about on there, Elaine, if people want to take part in it. That's right. We've been doing this eco challenge, um, and uh, I suppose it's, it's the idea of a thirty day challenge. Now you can do the thirty day challenge, which is great. You can do a seven day challenge if you want, or you can do a one day challenge. Just okay. go in and have a look. You know, I mean, I, I would always say it's better to start somewhere. And if you if, if you start if you start point is just one day or two days, great. You know, you, you can build it up. But certainly on there, we have some challenges um, around plastic and, and we, you know, the, we've had challenges around ha- um, cooking without plastic. So, okay. or, you know, purchasing going to the shop, seeing if you can buy your, all of your food without plastic and then, then cooking it. But do, may, you know, may, maybe go onto our website, as you said, ecoinesco.ie, check it out and, and really uh, do get involved. Brilliant. I will do that and hopefully other people will too. Uh, Elaine, thank you so much for talking to us this morning. No problem. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Changes have been made to this year's Solace Cancer Support Centre's biggest fundraiser, the Run and Walk for Life. And it means that the iconic orange t-shirt could be seen worldwide over an October weekend. Barry Monaghan is the chair of the Solace Cancer Support Centre. He was at the launch of the Run and Walk for Life Your Way this week and he explained how the event is making the best of this new normal. With, with COVID, people haven't been able to travel. People haven't been able to come back to Waterford uh, to visit their family and friends. And we're really hoping that some of those people, whether they're in Sydney or San Francisco or Sacramento, that they might be encouraged by their friends and family in Waterford to sign up for the Run for Life and actually register online on solace.ie. Get your T-shirt, 
raise a few quid we'll take dollars we'll take yen we'll take anything and and do the 10k run in san francisco or in sydney and say, and share it with your friends and we'll put it up on our social media page in the solar center after the event and it's really to kind of join the whole waterford diaspora and everybody in waterford that has benefited and will benefit you know the solar center in the community i really hope that all those people who over the years have taken part together will do it again this year Sinead White is the Run and Walk for Life Your Ways ambassador this year. Because we will pass each other, we will have our t-shirts on and we will still know that we're involved in raising money for this fantastic facility. Sinead has been taking part in the Run and Walk for Life and other events to raise funds for the Solace Cancer Support Centre for years. But in 2018, she found that she needed their services herself. Uh, in March I was diagnosed with breast cancer um, so I was quite familiar with the services here after doing fundraising so my first port of call after my diagnosis was in here into the Solace Cancer Support Centre because I knew that I would get all the help and care and support that I needed at that time and that I can still get it if I need it now. You know my own family prior to my diagnosis um, we had had a number of bereavements due to cancer um, including my father who passed away in 2016 not long after I took part in the dance for life so who would have ever thought that within a year and a half I would then get a diagnosis Um, but I did but I'm here now and none of us know what's going to happen next people are driving past the solace centre every single day walking past running past they may never have been in here before they have no idea what goes on but i just have to say to people if you ever ever get a cancer diagnosis and people are being diagnosed every day of the week don't hesitate to pick up the phone and contact this fantastic service because the surgeons and the nurses and doctors saved my life but the solace cancer support centre was my mental, mental saviour, my mental health. Without it, I don't know what I would have done. To get a, to get a cancer diagnosis is, is hard for anyone. And, and um, you know, to be able to come here and to, you know, find ways of dealing with it and coping with it and helping family members to deal with it and cope, cope with it, it, it just makes everything that small bit easier. That's Clodagh Duggan. She's the Network Development Manager at UPMC Whitfield, sponsors of the Run and Walk for Life Your Way. It's all about just giving giving the mind and the body the care and the attention it needs as well as the actual illness. And, you know, our, our, our team of oncologists, our radiation therapists, our radiation oncology nurses and our oncology nurses and consultants in the Whitfield, you know, it's so heartening for them to know that when, you know, the patient has passed through their treatment that they're you know they're still going to continue to be looked after out here and um, you know that gives them solace as well so I think you know it's 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 great it's win-win for everyone. The Solace Cancer Support Centre has been operating a phone counselling service for people affected by cancer and their families since the lockdown but Barry Monaghan says that they are looking forward to reopening their doors but changes have been made. Normally there's two types of uh, treatments that we specialise here one is the whole counselling and the second is the touch therapies, the, the, the massage and uh, uh, craniology and all that. But because of social distancing, you know, our, our, we, we've, we've reached out to our clients and they've said they're not comfortable enough and, 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 the, and the health guidelines aren't allowing really them to come back you know, where, where you're in high-risk categories. So we're not bringing that back yet, but, but we are hearing, listening to uh, our clients and we are, we're starting in August a new, whole new programme, which is a wellness programme. 
whereby we're going to reach out to people and offer them wellness and mindfulness courses because I think everybody can benefit in these in these challenging times with if you like improving if you like appreciating what you have and the mindfulness um, that will help people through these difficult times whether you have cancer you know particularly if you have cancer Without this service, I just don't know what I would have done. Um, it's invaluable what it has done for me. The help from the minute you walk in the door, it's a haven of peace and tranquility and positivity. Because of course you may have tears in here, you know, on different occasions, but believe me, there's lots of laughs as well and lots of help. There are so many different services in here, you know, so please, please get out and raise the money like we have done every year as a community. I'm always so proud when I see the amount of people from the southeast taking part in the run or walk for life. So can we please do it again this year? Even though it's different, we'll all still be together. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, you've been making banana bread and I've been watching countless reruns of The Only Way is Essex. My next guest has been busy raising funds for Down Syndrome Ireland along with his 15-month-old son, Aidan. David and Aidan from Wexford Town took up the challenge of running 100 kilometres over 21 days and had a hero's welcome at the end of June when they completed that 100 kilometres. David is on the phone to tell us more. Hiya, David. How are you doing, Orla? How are you getting on? Very well. Still basking in the glory of your 100k, are you yourself and Aidan? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I had to go to football training fairly soon afterwards, so that knocked me back downstairs. Oh, very good. And I presume Aidan, like, uh, time goes so, so fast when you have a child. I presume Aidan's probably about 16, 17 months now, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 16 and a half months, turning 17 months next week. Yeah, okay. 10 days time, so... He's going on his holidays and then he'll have his birthday on his holidays. Ah, lovely. And Aidan is a baby with Down syndrome. Tell us a little bit about him. What kind of a personality does Aidan have? Um, amazing. Big <laughs> smiley head on him. Um, he's uh, very stubborn um, or determined, as we like to say. Um, but yeah, he's just side of our lives. He's amazing. Yeah. And is he your first <laughs> child? He is, yeah. Yeah, he is our first child, yeah. Lovely. Oh, and how is everything with him? How would the last 18 months been? And of course, what, four months ago when everything changed for us, um, how has it been bringing up Aidan over the last year and a half? Well, it's been great. When he was born, he was in hospital for the first three weeks or so of his life. He had a, an issue and then he needed an operation last summer. So once we got over that, he's been amazing. And these last four months have been tough on everybody, I suppose. And Particularly, I think, as a teacher, you know, the students who are doing their junior cert and their leaving cert and life was so difficult. And then we always look for kind of silver linings. And I suppose for myself and Aidan's mum, we got to spend so much time with him that we wouldn't normally have got to spend with him and see him growing up and seeing him starting to crawl and starting to shout at us and climb up on us and pull himself up to standing and all those things. So there's actually been plenty of silver linings for us. And also yeah. I got to run around the town with him. Yeah, tell us a little bit about this. So you decided to raise funds for Down Syndrome Ireland and they were doing a 21-day challenge. So when did you decide to take up this challenge? Um, it was actually at the end of the school year because uh, any of my students who might be listening, they would be sick of me telling them, you have to set yourself goals and you have to make sure that you're exercising every day, especially during the lockdown. And I got to the end of school and... I had stopped doing that myself, so I decided I'd look around and I'd set myself a goal and I wanted to do something with my son and I'd seen this and it just kind of clicked in together that it worked. I was 
setting myself a goal. I was doing something with my son, and then we were raising money for a good cause as nearly a bonus. And yeah, that's the way it kind of worked out. So you're a secondary school teacher in Manskull Gorman in Enniscorthy, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then the score team works for 10. So you're all about goal setting. So this was a 21-day challenge that meant that you could get out and about and do some exercise, but also spend some time with Aidan. And how did he adapt to being out and about while you were on runs and he was in the buggy? Uh, he loved it, I suppose. Uh, we do a sign language with him to help him learn language as a person with Down syndrome. So we have that we're going for a run every day and his eyes would light up in the buggy and going around him. It was always after his nap and his snack and then off we go and we'd run our five kilometres or our six kilometres. Or There was one day that it was 11, but he seemed to really enjoy it. Some days when I was running fast enough, he fell asleep. Other days he'd shout at me as we were going around. And there was one day, I remember it was roasting hot, and we ran past his granddad's house. And his granddad came out with a drink of water for us. You know, so it was lovely. lovely for everybody around. Yeah, but it was great running around and keeping fit and healthy and got us out and in the air and yeah. something to do every day. And I suppose seeing people when it wasn't very easy to see people back then. Yeah. So I, I, I was on footpaths all the time going around. I had told people, if, if you see me, beat the horn. And as I started, there was maybe one or two cars. But by the time I finished, I, I'd come back from a run and I'd have four or five or six or seven people beeping me. So it meant that I couldn't actually just take a break and start walking. <laughs> I had to keep running no matter how tired I was. I you had an image see. to keep up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And of course, you were raising funds for Down Syndrome Ireland. Are 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 they an organisation that you've been in contact with since Aidan was born? Um, yeah, Down Syndrome Ireland in particular, since Aidan was born, they've been really supportive and they provide additional services. So I mentioned that we do a sign language course with them. They provided some support for us to be able to um, learn those languages, uh, sign language love, so that we could help them. And um, but they also provide speech and language for people and. This year has been a big year for uh, every group that are trying to fundraise and it's very difficult. Um, and the one that Down Syndrome, their big fundraiser was an ice cream day, the HB ice cream, where people would invite people to their houses and to have an ice cream party. Mm. And obviously that just fell totally by the wayside. So it would be it was nice to be able to contribute to the €4 million Euros or so a year that they need to um, fundraise and I do know that in Tipperary at the moment there's a group of men and they're cycling from Mizzenhead to Malinhead to raise money so oh, if anybody's yeah. around there and they want to donate to that one feel free um, but like all charities I suppose they're struggling to raise the funds that they need to raise this year Okay, Now so your 21 days are over you you arrive to a, a hero's welcome to your local club Sarsfield have you any other plans for anything else since it's all over? Do you miss doing the 21-day challenge? Yeah, I, I miss it a lot. Um, so Aidan and I have just joined the gym. We're going to learn how to swim. That's our next wow. challenge, the two of us together. We've just booked it into the uh, local swimming pool. And then my, my own challenges, is just they're just personal things to run uh, so many kilometres in a certain amount of time. But, you know, As I get older, I'm trying to get slower, slower is my aim. So to keep fit and healthy and run around. Um, and that's kind of it, really, for the rest of the summer. Stuff. So. Were you a runner before all this? Uh, not particularly as a, an athlete or anything. But it was a um, hobby. But it was a hobby, yes. And I would constantly say to any students of mine or people, you know, the best thing to do is to go out for a run for not physical health as much as for mental mm. health. And I mentioned at the beginning that Aidan was in hospital for a month as, as when he was born. But 
I remember coming home and he was coming home to Wexford the day afterwards and I got to Wexford on a Thursday evening at 10 o'clock at night and I was going into work the next day and the first thing I did when I arrived back from Crumlin was I put on my running gear and I went out for a run and it just released a lot of the tension and the stress that had been built up mm. over that time and I'd recommend it to everybody to find the thing that you like. It can be running or cycling or walking or gardening or whatever it is but to make sure that you go out and get out in the fresh air and run and exercise. And did you see that during lockdown, actually? Because I really noticed that I, I totally agree with you. I think that exercise gives you some sort of clarity in your mind and also really boosts that positivity, whatever is inside you to give you some positivity. But I really noticed that so many people were out more during lockdown. Did you notice that on your 21 days that there were so many people out trying to get some exercise? Yeah, huge. Mm. Um, especially on a day that um, would normally be a day that you wouldn't see very many people. Do you know, do you know mm, like a wet you'll day always see people, or... yeah muggy and cold and you'd see four or five other people running and you'd always wave and there's some sort of kindred spirit when you're both struggling up a hill um, <laughs> I remember one day if anybody who knows Wexford Town Wexford General Hospital is beside yeah. the hill and it's a horrible hill and I remember I was I was running down the hill and a friend from the football team was running up the hill and he said, I hate this hill. And then on the end of my run, it was the opposite. I met another friend from the football team coming down and I was going up and I said the exact same, I hate this hill. <laughs> I tell you, I hated that hill even more with the buggy too. <laughs> I did hate it with the buggy. I only actually managed to do it twice with the buggy after oh, it. The second so. time I said, not anymore. Too <laughs> tough hard. going, tough yeah. going. Well, listen, you have an I Donate page. I know you've done the 21 days, but if people want to check it out to donate or even just to see Aidan's diary, who is now six. 16 and a half months old but he he wrote a diary about what was happening when you're on your 21 day challenge and I have to say David it made me smile so much this morning it's so cute if people want to check that out on iDonate and just search for David and Aidan Gannon there well done on everything that you've done The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103 As the wearing of face masks becomes mandatory in indoor spaces one temporary milliner is using her skills to create face masks that don't scrimp on style. Alison Rowe is from the Coach House Studio in Ross Grey in County Tipperary and she's on the phone to tell me more. Hi Alison. Hi Orla. Little did you know a year ago that you'd be making face masks, did you? Oh, it's so strange. I just can't believe that this is now what I'm making instead of <laughs> the hats. I mean, July would be the busiest month of the year for me normally in the connection with hats. I'd be taking bookings for months for weddings uh, that would be taking place all summer for hat hire, or I would be having appointments with ladies coming in, maybe mothers of the bride, making pieces for them, you know, for collection for weddings around now. And all of that has just stopped, obviously. And race days and so many yes, different race events. Days are huge. Uh, yeah. All year round, I mean, I suppose we've missed so many of the, the big ones that would be associated with ladies' days, both in Ireland and abroad. Ascot would be huge for me, and uh, obviously. You know, there were there have been no attendances at race meetings, but interestingly, virtual ladies' days are something that have taken off, and okay. people are wearing hats and getting all their glad rags out for virtual ladies' days. And actually, many of them are for charity as well, so it's it's quite nice. But it's still not the same thing as attending the race. Exactly. meeting and you know meeting up with friends so the business is very very different I can, I can in imagine. July and in fact the whole the whole of the, the year since lockdown started the studio has been extremely different but um, busy than, has you know, it, it would normally be but still busy in a way very busy the first couple of weeks of lockdown uh, much quieter just everything stopped 
um, I started wearing masks or started making masks mm. uh, for my family. No intention of, of selling them, just making them for myself to go, go shopping and do the groceries, which I tried to push out to once every 10 days if I could. Of course. Um, but uh, interestingly, you know, long-standing clients of the studio started contacting me to know, did I have masks? Was I making them? And um, I decided, as I had a website and things were very quiet in the studio, that I would start making some and put them up online. And I could not believe it, Orla. I put them online, and literally within 24 hours, everything was sold out. All of the stocks of fabric that I had, um, they were they were all gone. So I had to, to order more fabric and start a waiting list and catch up with all of the orders, and which I did, and they are now available to order online again. And you it's have really been, embraced this, Alison. You have yeah, three pages well, of different fabrics. Like, people can choose whatever type of design really you have pages and pages of different types of material you've been using I think that's the milliner in me because <laughs> now that I've perfected the, the style of the face mask the pattern that I use try, I tried various different ones in the beginning but I've perfected what I find comfortable to wear myself now and uh, really there's no there's no varying from that other than um, prints and colours so that's why I have the three pages just because they get boring to make but it's lovely to have different uh, fabrics and different colours coming on stream all the time and kind of, I suppose it makes it a bit more interesting. And I think people in this situation, the weather has been so, you know, dull for the mm. last week or two. It's just lovely. If you have to wear a mask, it will be something bright and something colourful instead, you know. And I've, I, I have, I've really enjoyed, I suppose, chatting to people on the phone, um, you know, when a lot of people would order online and I mm. wouldn't be speaking to them. But lots of people, I take their order over the phone and, it's lovely to have a chat because I don't have so many people coming to the studio anymore. Of course. Um, so it's a, it's a lovely interaction with clients that way. Did you have to learn anything else as a, someone who is always sewing and always designing with millinery? Making a face mask, how much more different is that? It's very different because I normally don't use a sewing machine hardly at all in the studio. I've had one there for years and I'd say I could count on one hand the number of times I've taken it out to use it. Millinery is very, um, I find hand sewing is mm, the, the, it's the most precise. Yeah, mm. And I think for something couture, you don't really want to see a, see a stitching line along the edge of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it kind of invisible hand stitching would be what I would do. So uh, my sewing machine and myself are now best friends. We're, I'm using a, I, just, I, I actually think I'm dreaming of, my, of the sound of my sewing machine <laughs> at, 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 when I'm sleeping at night. I just, I'm spending so many hours out in the studio uh, on on masks, I am making some other things now as well, uh, and you know people are thinking of weddings again. So it's a little, it's getting a little bit more varied. But certainly for for months, it was solely masks and nothing else. And lots and lots of them. I have to say, from looking at your website, alisonrow.ie, you are someone who uh, adapts to styles anyway. Um, you have so many headbands, which are such a massive thing now, apart from hats. Do you find that when it comes to millinery and headwear, that there are a lot of trends as there might be for dresses? Well, the third thing as regards, you mentioned headbands there. Um, I have been making headbands on a hairband. Okay. Um, so kind of the rigid hairbands for, for many years. Okay. And they've been very popular, particularly a kind of a turban style, because you can dress it up. I also do feather hat pins, which you obviously can attach to a hat or to a lapel, but you can also attach them to these hairbands, which people have been wearing, you know, maybe to dress up, especially the tweed ones for winter racing. Well, interestingly, uh, when lockdown began and people couldn't go to the hairdresser, uh, again, kind of led by customers, I suppose, I was getting calls from people to, to ask, what can you make me that will cover my hair? 
for Zoom calls and, you know, they maybe cover grades or just generally keep it out of their way. So, again, led by the customers, I started designing our new Bella band. So these are not on, on rigid hair bands. They're actually, uh, they go all the way around the head and there's a concealed elastic at the back, which makes them much more versatile because with a rigid hair band, there's only one place it can go on mm. your head to sit behind your ears. But these you can kind of position a bit more to the front if you want more coverage um, and also you can fan out the material. There's an abundance of material in them and I've spent a lot of time sourcing really, really nice fabrics for these. Um, and uh, people, especially people maybe who wear glasses, can find it hard to wear yes. the rigid hairband. Mm. But these can be worn all day. I've, I've had clients come back to me and say, I don't even know it's on my head. I'm just wearing it all day. So I think there have been a lot of Zoom calls all over the country with people wearing <laughs> my Bella headbands. God, you know what? I don't, think, I don't think I'm that fashionable to be thinking of my head when it comes to Zoom calls. I think these most people really didn't want their, their, um, their greys seen, but now hairdressers are open, so they can, they can choose them just for style now, not exactly, for coverage. Exactly. Well, listen, your website is alisonrow.ie. It's really beautiful. As I said, those headbands are just gorgeous. But as I also said, there are pages and pages of face masks. If you're looking from one. Do you have a, a waiting list or how are you doing with getting them out there? You're, you you were saying off air that you're inundated with uh, requests at the moment. Yes, yeah, so for, for both headbands and for masks, there are some available for immediate delivery now online. Okay. With the masks, um, uh, you know, depending on a lot of styles, just, they just get sold out very, very quickly. Sometimes I would, you know, they'd be able to get resource the fabric and then it'll be repeated so it'll be still available to purchase other other times if there's just a new a new style put online instead. Interestingly, it has been really, really nice to discover so many independent retailers all mm. over the country selling these gorgeous cotton fabrics, which cotton fabric, you know, wouldn't be something I'd normally use in millinery. Mm-hmm. And I have established relationships now with, uh, you know, different shops and Sligo to Cork to find these fabrics and, uh, you know, chatting to, to them again on the phone. Again, they're working, they were working behind closed doors during lockdown. And it's really, it has been a lovely experience of, you know, a small business supporting other small businesses. Um, so that has been really nice. But as regards waiting lists, uh, you know, with the Bella bands, uh, some of them are available to order immediately. Others there would be a waiting list for. But you can contact me and ask, you know, how long it would be to order something. The same with masks. But I'm trying to get my masks out with a two or three day turnaround okay, great. if I can. Good I know stuff. they're urgent. Good stuff and good to get something homegrown from a, a southeast company as well. The website is Alison Rowe, Rowe being R-O-E. Alison, thank you so much for talking to me this morning. No problem at all, Orla. The Sunday Grill with Crane and Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie.